So this, this morning we are going to uh, take another bite of the apple today and talk about church history. Uh, the first week we just basically introduced the idea and our founding principle as a church, me as a pastor, and I believe it should be the founding principle of every believer, is that the original church is the church we should seek to exemplify. The church did not get better in time. Doctrine did not become better in time. But rather it devolved and drifted away from the original. The original is, it should be, our aim. And so our founding documents, our founding uh, people that we honor if you will, and consider their thoughts concerning heaven and God are those that are wrapped up in this leather-bound book. Uh, Genesis through the book of Revelation. And so it is with that intent we have talked about the history of Christianity or church history. And Acts 2 is the genesis of the New Testament church. Everything that happened previous to was in preparation, the groundwork for what would ultimately become the New Testament church. So when we think of that, how did the first believers get saved? We should seek to be saved the same way. How did the first believers experience salvation? We should seek to experience salvation the same way. What were their priorities taught what were the priorities taught to the first church? We should seek those same priorities. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 20, speaking of the church, and are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets. The apostles and prophets are the people that wrote the scripture. The prophets is the Old Testament. The apostles are the New Testament. The church is built upon the apostles and the prophets Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone in whom the whole building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord in whom ye also are built together for an habitation of God through the Spirit. Everybody say the church. The true church Jesus came to establish. He chose his disciples who later became apostles and they were the Lord's instruments he used to establish the church. So when we talk about church history, today we're going to talk basically about the Reformation. And the Reformation started, uh, there, there were different groups that rejected the authority of the Catholic Church. Uh, there were the Huguenots that were persecuted in France and uh, in, 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 a, in an event over a hundred thousand people were slaughtered because they rejected the authority of the Catholic Church but what was the the the, the beginning act was the process the pursuit the belief that people should have a Bible they could read in their own language 
the Bibles, the few that existed, were locked up in the Vatican in Rome and, and chained to the pulpits in the chapels. But they were not accessible. Not only were they not physically accessible, they weren't financially accessible because there wasn't a printing press. So if, you, if somebody wanted a copy of something, somebody had to literally copy it letter by letter. Can you imagine trying to, to do that? That might take a minute. And so there were people that was, they spent their life transcribing from one text to another text to have multiple copies. So that would be only the very wealthy people could do that. And even the wealthy that would do that, many of them died at the hands of the Catholic Church because it was viewed uh, treason, heresy, to have a Bible. So one of the main uh, people that you find in history, there were others, but one of the significant people was a man by the name of John Wycliffe. was called the Morning Star of the Reformation. He was a reformer more than a century before Martin Luther ignited the Protestant Reformation. Through most of the history of Christianity to the Reformation, it was illegal to translate the Bible into local languages. John Wycliffe was an Oxford professor who believed that the teachings of the Bible were more important than the earthly clergy and the Pope. Wycliffe translated the Bible into English as he believed that everyone should be able to understand it directly. Wycliffe was committed to the authority and the inspiration of the of Holy Scripture declaring, Holy Scripture is the highest authority for every believer, the standard of faith and the foundation for reform in religious, political, and social life. In itself, it is per perfectly sufficient for salvation without the addition of customs and traditions. Wycliffe sounds like an apostolic, doesn't he? As such, Wycliffe oversaw the translation of the Bible from Latin into English vernacular. This was a radical undertaking, and it was against the express mandate of the papacy. So Wycliffe died in 1384. In 1427, Pope Martin ordered his bones to be dug up and destroyed. The Catholics called him the disciple of the Antichrist. His crime? Translating the Bible so people could read it. In 1415, a Czech priest and scholar, uh, John Huss, an admirer of Wycliffe, was burned alive for producing a Bible translation in his native language, the Czech language. A statue to him today stands in Prague's main old square. Some of you may remember we had a missionary who started the first apostolic church in Prague, Prague after the, the, the wall came down in the Soviet Union. And uh, the church they had church in was a church that John Huss preached in. Some of y'all may remember that. And so he, there, were, there are uh, limitless untold people that were killed because of having the biblical text in their ownership. I was listening to a podcast about the subject today, and it was stated that it was illegal to teach your children to recite the Lord's Prayer in English. Parents would be burned alive if it was found your children were reciting the Lord's Prayer. 
talking about church history. So it is in that, in that incredible uh, atmosphere of, of totalitarian religion that persecuted people that wanted to know more about God that was Christianity. You read about Catholicism and the popes and the bishops that chose who the king was, that chose whether they could divorce their wife or not divorce their wife, that they, 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 they determined whether to uh, launch war against various countries, to excommunicate various individuals. It is in that uh, atmosphere where you find men like Tyndale and Huss and others who suffered great persecution but they persevered on to pursue and to see truth propagated because they had a belief that it mattered. And today, I am able to say to you that the Bible is the authority in which we believe and no one's going to be banging down our door and burning me at the stake. Somebody say, thank God. Every one of you can recite the Lord's Prayer and your mother and father aren't going to be burned at the burn up it's great to live in america and sometimes people don't appreciate the 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 freedom of uh the freedom of faith the freedom of religion uh here in america because they don't understand a lot of people came to america because of persecution because they were being persecuted in europe uh, i state here that the huguenots uh, they, they actually came from France and established a colony in, uh, I wrote it down, St. Augustine, Florida, to escape the, the, the persecution. And Spain, on the prodding of the Catholic Pope, sent over 2,400 people and slaughtered 500 people that had come, into, come to America to have freedom of religion. And so we don't understand how violent Christianity was in Europe during this time. Really, even before the Reformation, there were many different sects that, that believed various things, but they were persecuted and martyred because they rejected the absolute errors and, and uh, doctrines and authority of the Catholic Church. Everybody say the Reformation. What I hold in my hand is an image. I hold in my hand an image of a piece of paper that to me is emblematic of what created the Reformation. Almost like a piece of currency. And this particular person was a, a Tetzel, and he was a Catholic priest, and the Catholic Church had developed a great fundraiser, Brother Ryan. We raffle cakes, wash cars, sell baskets to raise money they were building St. Peter's Basilica and if you've ever seen the place it is quite an amazing piece of architecture people even that are not Catholic 
come from around the world to see this architectural uh, miracle. How did they build it? Much of how they built it was little pieces of paper and what they represent were sold to people. And priests would come to the villages beating a drum and for money you could buy a piece of paper like this called an indulgence. Everybody say indulgence. And this indulgence could be used to pay someone that you love that that the church had said had went to purgatory again not a biblical doctrine a doctrine of the Catholic Church so you didn't really go to hell but you didn't go to heaven but you're suffering in purgatory and your family could give the church money and the church would move them from purgatory to heaven all for a few gold dimes and quarters or if you wanted an to the opportunity to pre to get forgiveness before you commit a sin you could get permission to go do some bad thing from the church for money you could do whatever you wanted to that, and that is to me one of the greatest examples because even today we face there are three options people can exercise in their pursuit of truth either they're going to lean on tradition and Catholicism is is a great example of religious tradition where they trust their church uh, the mother church they call it they trust the Pope and the 250 previous popes they 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 all kinds of things that they believe that aren't in the scripture and many of the things they practice are actually an abomination in scripture the Bible says not to make a graven image and to pray for it but almost any Catholic uh, church you're gonna find images and people pray to them people travel to kiss the feet people get on their knees and climb upstairs my purpose isn't to be negative I mean the truth by its very nature is offensive if you believe there's no such thing as male and female, me telling you that God made us boys and girls, that's going to offend you. I'm not telling you that to offend you. I'm just telling you that God made us boys and girls. Can I get a witness? And so my point in saying these things about the Catholic Church, I'm not trying to be unkind, but truth is sometimes not very palatable if it is contrary to what you believe. But this indulgence, this practice is what produced Martin Luther's beginning of the Reformation. And uh, he went and he uh, took a, a document called the 95 Thesis and he nailed it to a church door in Germany. And it was an event that sparked people from they began to leave Catholicism and they began to break off into sects if you look on the back of your paper it shows some various branches that come from Catholicism and you see those at the top the West, Western Christianity those major branches came from this reformation that took place and it came from a man 
basically started from a man by the name of Martin Luther. Wycliffe started it, but he's not recognized as a reformer. It was his translating the scripture that ultimately began the Reformation. And so he nailed these theses to the door of the church and from that became a great religious war. And, and the, 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 the Roman church and many of the nations aligned with the Roman church, they came against Luther and his disciples. And he was able to survive. He was given cover by various wealthy, powerful people. And Lutheranism sprang up and was able to survive. And uh, if you'll notice Tinsel, Tinsel was a Dominican friar who went from town to town selling these indulgences to summon local people. He reportedly beat a loud, loudly on a drum when asked if paying the money for an indulgence would save the lost and forgive sinners. He would state a little rhyme. As soon as a coin in the coffer rings, the soul from purgatory springs. What a deal, huh? And uh, that forgiveness could be bought and sold in local marketplace and beyond the upsetting to Martin Luther. When he heard that Tinsel was coming to Wittenberg, where Luther lived and worked, he reportedly said, I'll put a hole in his drum. I like that. The extreme error of Catholicism was based upon the rejection of the Word of God as an authority, choosing tradition rather. But that is our challenge today. Anytime we witness to people who have been taught, whatever the religious denomination is, and you show them what the Scripture says, they will more than likely have something they were taught. And you can show them what the Bible says. And many times people reject what the Bible says because they, they feel affinity to the tradition they were raised. And it's the very same uh, struggle now as it was then. That was the struggle Jesus confronted. The Bible says Jesus came unto his own and his own uh, received him not. What was, what was the problem? What Jesus was preaching was in direct contradiction not to the Bible but to their tradition. Their tradition was an addition to and even supplanted what the Bible said. And so Catholicism was that. It was a great departure from Scripture. And so what happened, this, this breaking of the various branches, uh, what happened was is people began to get closer and closer to what the Bible says. One of Luther's main doctrines in context of Catholicism was a great understanding, but it was still error. Catholicism, uh, you never were really saved and you could, get you could be damned and excommunicated if you offended a church official. If you did something that was displeasing to one of these religious political leaders, you could be excommunicated from the church and they would not allow you to have take communion. And so he had this epiphany. 
I can't buy my salvation with money. I can't work in any way to do something to give myself salvation. He had a revelation about repentance. If you read his 95 Thesis, he was like a truly repentant person quits doing what it is they say they're sorry for. You can't pay penance. You can't pray a prayer. How do you get, how do you get forgiveness? At the end of the day, repentance is how you get it, not, not an indulgence, not some act, religious act. You get forgiveness when you stop doing what it is the Lord needs to forgive you from. And so the significant doctrine, and in fact, if you did a Google search, Lutheranism, it is this one statement, saved by grace alone. Everybody say grace alone. Uh, a companion to that is faith alone. It is stated as biblical fact. You would think you could open your Bible and find somewhere in Scripture that the Bible says that we are saved by faith alone. And the problem is there is an additional word there. We are saved by grace through faith. But in nowhere does it say we're saved by grace and faith alone. Because if I tell you I'm saved by faith alone, what that is saying is all you got to do is believe. And that is, a, that is an unbiblical fallacy that is not backed up by Scripture. If someone asks me, what do I need to do to be saved? It's true, Ephesians chapter 2 says, we are saved by grace through faith and not of ourselves. It is the gift of God. And these are true things. But sometimes people read scripture in isolation to the context. In the context to the Ephesian scripture that says we're saved by grace through faith is we got to find out how did the Ephesians get saved? Were they led in a sinner's prayer? Did they walk an aisle, sign a car, go to a class, learn how to do a dance, to repeat something after someone else? How did the Ephesian church get saved? The Bible tells us in Acts chapter 19 that the believers in Ephesus followed the same pattern given in Acts 2 and Acts 8 and Acts 10. Paul, the, writers of, the writer of Romans, the writer of Ephesians said, uh, have you got the Holy Ghost since you believed? And they're like, what you talking about? He said, well, then how were you baptized? Just like John baptized. And he re-baptized them in Jesus' name, laid hands on them, and they received the Holy Ghost, and they spoke with tongues. That's how the Ephesian church got saved. So when Paul writes them the epistle to the Ephesians, he didn't change it. He was explaining it. So somebody said, well, how do you get to Vicksburg, Brother Bobby? You could say, well, you get in the car and you drive there. Drive only. Okay. Well, let's break that down. Do you need tires? Well, that's the only way you're going to drive. Uh, do you need gas? Well, that's the only way you're going to get there. Do, 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 do you need spark plugs? So just because the Bible says we're saved by grace through faith, there's a lot in that faith. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. And the scripture gives all kinds of description of what's wrapped up in faith. If you have faith, you're going to repent.
If you have faith, you're going to get baptized. If you have faith, you're going to worship God. If you have faith, you're going to live for God. Come on, somebody. Faith is not a singular uh, heading that we can just say, well, I believe. No, faith is an all-inclusive word. Read Hebrews chapter 11. The Bible says, Noah, by faith, moved with fear. What did, what did that mean for Noah? Well, it involved boards and tar and a lot of work. But it's still faith. Moses, when he was come to years by faith, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. What was faith to Moses? It was, it was obedience. It was separation. It was pursuing the voice of God in his life. And so when we say we're saved by faith, we are saved by faith. But it's, it's something that is demonstrated to everyone. And so one of the great errors that came from the Reformation is that in response to the Catholic error, we have errors that are throughout Christianity today that find their seeds in Luther. Luther's misunderstanding that we're saved, that the, the just shall live by faith. That is a great, that's a great revelation, but he needed to read a little more. He needed to see it for what it was. And Luther persecuted people he didn't agree with. Luther wanted to remove from the Bible the book of James. He hated the book of James. Why would he hate the book of James or read it? Because it is in direct contradiction to anyone that would say you're saved by grace alone or faith alone. Because the book of James tells us faith without works is dead being What's it? Alone. The only scripture in all of your Bible where the word faith and alone are mentioned together is the one verse in James that says, faith without works is dead being alone. And so when we consider this, we have to recognize that there was a revival. There was hunger. There was, there was something happening People were leaving Catholicism, but there it was a slow process because they didn't understand that everything they were taught was wrong and they needed to go back to the original. We, we consider ourselves originalist. We are not traditionalist. We are not uh, 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 those that seek to reform the tradition. But we are originalists. What does the Bible say in the beginning? Notice it on your little family tree there. Uh, you see Anabaptism, Anabaptist, Baptist. Much of the doctrine of the Baptist churches is a conglomeration of various reform theology, uh, Reformation theology, but a significant departure that the Baptist had between the Lutherans, the Lutherans kept sprinkling, kept doing ba uh, children infant baptisms, and they would sprinkle them. Uh, the Calvinists kept sprinkling, but the Anabaptists, like when they got baptized in the Bible, they weren't babies; they were a, they were of age, and they went down in the water. 
And there were people that died because they preached and they believed and they immersed people in the water because that's what the Bible said. And that was a significant truth. And I would say that in that respect, we are Baptists. I'm a Baptist. Say that with me. I'm a Baptist. Oh, that's hard to say. I'm a Baptist. Jesus loves everybody. We're not going to be saved by what we call ourselves. We're going to be saved in our response to the Word of God. But when you get, really get down to it, I'm more a Baptist than the average Baptist. Because I not just only believe in baptism, I believe you got to get baptized. Amen. I'm a, I'm a Jesus name Baptist. I'm an apostolic Baptist. Why? Because Jesus preached and the apostles preached that except a man be born of the water and the spirit, you cannot see or enter the kingdom of God. So in that respect, I'm a Baptist. You're a Baptist. And if you've not been baptized yet, we'll help you be a Jesus name Baptist. Somebody said amen. And so, uh, the, the process of the Reformation was gradual, but the Reformation that brought people away from the tradition of Catholicism and brought them away from the tradition of Lutheranism and brought them away from the tradition of Calvinism and brought them away from the various processes, it was people reading the scripture and saw, oh, that's what the Bible says. And they were willing to say, you know what? I'm willing to be persecuted. I'm willing to be rejected. I'm willing even to be burned at the stake. Because I believe the truth is more valuable than being accepted by everyone else. Church history. And there are many other, you know, people say, well, why are there so many different denominations? Anybody ever heard that before? Well, here's kind of a picture. It's not that everybody split from the true church. It's because the original true church was corrupted. For uh, over 12, 1300 years before the Reformation, there was a devolving, as we talked about last week, uh, the early church fathers and the Nicene Council and the council upon council upon council. And they added and they added and they changed and they changed and they changed until the time of Luther Catholicism did not resemble biblical Christianity. So the Catholic Church and, and those in power had to keep people from reading the Bible because they'd find what they call Christianity is not biblical Christianity. And so where we, we find Pentecostalism, we call ourselves Pentecostal, but it's not because there's some holy father that had a vision and wrote a book. We don't have a Joseph Smith. We don't have a Mary Baker Eddy. We don't have a, an Ellen White. We, we don't have a Pope. Uh, we don't have a, a John Calvin. We don't have a Martin Luther. What we are identifying with is in the book of Acts chapter 2 and verse 1, and when the day of Pentecost. Everybody say Pentecost. Why do I call myself Pentecostal? Is because Pentecost is where the church was born. 
And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all in one accord, all in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind. And it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared to them cloven tongues like as a fire. And it set upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. The reason why I call myself Pentecostal, it's not a denomination. It is identifying with that biblical Pentecostal experience where we are born again, not just of water, but we become born again of the Spirit. Come on, somebody. And it is that original experience that happens in Acts 2 and Acts 8, Acts 10 and Acts 19 that, that established, that, that anointed, that empowered the early believers that Paul and Peter and James and John would write the epistles to. And so it is, it is that experience that sparks us, that causes us to be saved. And it is the epistles that explains this great salvation. Because the epistles tell us that we are a new creature in Christ Jesus. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. You, you are a peculiar people, a holy nation. It explains to us that that spirit we've received is, is the, 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 the earnest of our inheritance. The things that we believe about heaven is because we read it in the Bible. It's not what the Pope said. It's not what uh, Mary Baker Eddy said. It doesn't matter what Ellen White said. It doesn't matter what Joseph Branham said. There there's always been these historical figures rise to the, 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 to the forefront and people follow after them and they read their books and memorize their sayings and they say it in their sermons. I don't have any of those people in my belief system. The only belief system I hold to that I view as authoritative and infallible and worth dying for is wrapped up in this leather bound book. It starts with Genesis and ends with the book of Revelation. And so when I call myself, I don't call myself Lutheran because I don't give Luther of that much power in my faith. I don't call myself a Calvinist because I don't recognize John Calvin as giving me anything I need in my faith. I call myself an apostolic because it was the apostles Jesus chose to establish his church. And I believe it is God's plan that every believer would lose every label except that we all would come to the unity of the faith and that faith would be a biblical faith that the apostles first preached to the first church. Amen. Anybody have any thoughts? Comments? Questions? You, 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 you got a question, Brandon? I'm looking for Wyatt. Is Wyatt here? You tell him I asked about him today. You'll have to send him the video because he's been, he's been talking every day after service. Amen. Anybody? Did anybody hear something today you never heard before? You people? Anybody want to hear? Anybody have any curiosity about any particular historical figure I mentioned today? Mm -hmm. I'll pull out my billfold again. A dollar for anybody with a, for, with a question. Here we go. Okay. Oh, 
There's no question good. <laughs> Here, hey, buddy, I have an indulgence. <laughs> Amen. I'll give you a snow cone and give me a good question. Amen. Well, I got there a little early. Uh, yeah, okay. <laughs> 